Available at farmnewsnow.com or wherever you find your favorite podcast. Agriculture through a modern lens. This is the AgriPod with Alice McFarland. On this episode, the first ever Canadian Farmer Sentiment Index suggests there is a short-term optimism tempered by long-term concerns. About 3,000 farms across the country agreed to enter information into the database so they can participate in the nationwide survey. Justin Funk is the managing partner of AgriStudies. He'll share more on the 900 farmers and ranchers that answered last month's survey, which contained a series of questions. And they can access those numbers and see how their responses stack up with their counterparts. There is growing interest globally in Canada's plant-based food sector. Last week, delegates from around the world took part in the first Plant Forward Conference in Toronto. The event was organized by Protein Industries Canada, Pulse Canada and Plant-Based Foods of Canada. PIC CEO Bill Gruel will share more about the conference and how the international guests responded to the information shared during the event. After the break, Justin Funk. Digging into the topics that matter to you, the AgriPod with Alice McFarlane. With me is Justin Funk, the managing partner of AgriStudies, and we're talking about the first ever Canadian Farm Sentiment Index. So, Justin, first of all, explain to us what the Sentiment Index is and how it works. First of all, Sean Haney at Real Agriculture and I uh, put our collective minds together based on the premise that there's a lot of information that is collected about farmers in the United States that is often taken and just applied to Canada under the pretense that American farmers and Canadian farmers are alike. And I I think that in general, we disagree with that idea. So one of the projects that has gained a lot of traction in the USA that is often referred to here in Canada is Purdue University's Ag Economy Barometer. So we wanted to do something based off of that, but focused on the Canadian marketplace where we gain sentiment from Canadian farmers And we can start tracking with a little more accuracy here how they think and feel about a variety of issues and also track those feelings as they evolve over time in concert with other industry events that are going on around us. How many questions will you be asking and are they exactly the same as what the people at Purdue University have been doing? So in total, there are 10 questions as part of the sentiment survey, and five of them are directly comparable to Purdue. The others are ones that we felt were missing that we wanted to learn a little bit more about. So they're clustered into categories. So two of the questions focus on the current financial health of the farm and also the future outlook of the farmer's uh, financial position. Uh, Two of the questions focus on both confidence and optimism in the ag economy and the ag industry in general. We have one question that focuses on the farmer's willingness to make investments in the farm. But then we move into some new territory that Purdue has not looked at. We are attempting to measure farmers' uh, assessment of the both provincial and federal government support of ag, confidence and outlook in grain markets, And then the last one, which we feel is very, very important and deserves to be talked about, and that is uh, examining the farmer's state of mental health and and how that may vary depending on how we see some of those other sentiments changing over time. How many producers have uh, signed up to participate in the Canadian Farmer Sentiment Index, and do they cover all areas of agriculture? 
We have about 3,000 farmers on our panel who have agreed for us to approach them, and they provided us with demographic information so we can do further analysis, and we don't have to ask that of them all the time. So uh, we're selective in terms of you know who we go to for each study just to mix it up a little bit. It's very representative. So we've got all of the different livestock sectors. We've got representation across the country, age demographics, farm sizes, all those sorts of things that would pretty much align with the makeup of the Canadian farmer population. In the latest survey that we did, we had a response of 944 farmers, which is outstanding for something like this. I mean, that gives us a lot of confidence in the data and can interpret these results with a high degree of accuracy. So we continue to get wonderful response to the surveys that we do. Okay, Justin, so explain how this works. Do you send out an email with the questions and whoever responds, responds completely voluntary, I'm assuming? That's pretty much it. And uh, as part of our appreciation to those who uh, participate, we offer the respondents a copy of the aggregated results so they can see how their farm compares to others. We have found that to be very important to farmers today. uh, And it creates, I think, a much more engaged sample uh, when we take a look back at the results. These people are completing the survey because they are interested in the results and knowing how they may compare to other farms, you know, of a similar uh, nature. You've got some people participating now, so are you still looking to add to that list of farmer respondents? Always looking. If people are interested in doing that, they can go to realagriculture.com and they can sign up for the Real Agri Studies Insights panel and be included in future surveys that we do. Okay, so let's talk about that first survey that was done in September. Uh, You have an index number for both current financial performance and looking forward. So outline for us what uh, some of the numbers were coming out from that. So when when we calculate an index, we take the negative responses and subtract them from the positive responses and add 100. So I know that sounds a little technical, but what that does is we look at 100 as being neutral. So in the first question, how does the farmer feel about the current financial situation on the farm? There's a positive index of 108. So what that means is that farmers are pretty happy with how they feel about the current state of finances on the farm. But when we look to the future, that number dips below the 100 line to 74. And so that tells us that farmers are concerned about the future when it comes to the financial situation on their farm. So while you're not revealing numbers quite yet, uh, was there anything that popped out at you? You know, I think it's interesting. Grain markets have been strong, but what we know is that the cost of production has increased. And I think that that notion is really driving farmer sentiment towards the future. I think they're very concerned about what's going to happen with, you know, what you might consider some of the uncontrollables. And that's referenced in the next set of questions that focus on confidence in the ag economy and the industry. There's negative sentiment there, too. There's cause for concern. Farmers are not as optimistic as you might want them to be. And and again, I think that there's probably some good reason for that. You look at that story as it unfolds. And then the next question is willingness to make investments in the farm. We see that number dip to 58.8. And so that's telling us that with everything going on around us, farmers do not consider now a good time to be making those investments. And and that could have implications to the rest of the industry now and, and into the future. Now, we saw another interest rate increase uh, this last uh, week or so. What type of impact do you think that will have on the index? 
you know, you fast forward to where we are now with interest rates and this question on making investments in the farm. I mean, obviously, there's going to be some relationship there that as interest rates go up, the willingness to make investments will decrease. We'll be able to validate that because we'll ask that same question in just under a month from now uh, when we do our November intake. It'll be interesting to see, first of all, if that number goes down from 58, which I imagine it will, but more so by how much. And so that's another neat thing about what we're doing here is that by looking at it from a a historical perspective, you can also take a look at what was going on in the industry around us when we asked those questions. And if previous performance is an indication of future performance, then tools like this can not just be used to look retrospectively, but also to maybe forecast how things might change in the future. Are you aiming this uh, specifically at government or larger companies? Yes. And so, I mean, there's obviously more depth to the information that we have here that can be made available. And we encourage stakeholders in the industry to inquire about this with us because this type of information, we're trying to share the farmer's voice. And this type of information can be used to help make, I think, better business decisions and also better policy decisions that are going to positively impact the industry. And uh, the next survey is uh, coming up, November? Yep, well, middle of November, we will be doing our next intake. We're doing this every two months, so November, January, March, and so on. Got uh, a few more of these done, so next time we talk, we can talk about how we see those numbers change. Thanks, Justin. Justin Funk is the managing partner of AgriStudies, which is collaborating on the Canadian Farmer Sentiment Index. After the break, Protein Industries Canada, Bill Gruel will talk about the very first Plant Forward conference. Digging into the topics that matter to you, the AgriPod with Alice McFarlane. The first ever Plant Forward conference was held in Toronto this month, and uh, it gave an opportunity for Canada to really uh, show and shine what it has to offer as far as uh, the products in the plant-based food sector. With me is Bill Grohl, the CEO of Protein Industries Canada, and uh, it really was a, a great opportunity for the country to show off what we have. And with the international delegates that were there, it was uh, a really successful event. So let's talk about that. The large international delegation really demonstrates how, how well Canada is faring in terms of the global recognition of what we have to offer as, as a major contributor to the global plant-based food space. How many international visitors were at the conference? Uh, of the 247, of course, the majority were from Canada, but we had over 50 uh, delegates from other countries. The largest was a delegation from the Netherlands. Um, interesting because the Netherlands is a very small country. It's about the size of Banff National Park, but they're the second largest food economy in the world. And, and so they're really looking at Canada as a strategic partner in terms of um, ingredient supply and innovation. A large contingent of companies and finance and capital community from the United States, a large delegation from India as well as a number of other countries. It's a really great uh, opportunity to uh, show what Canada has to offer and uh, how was that information received by those international delegates? 
Yeah, a, a lot of um, recognition that um, and understanding of what Canada has to offer. So many of the international um, uh, people attending were interested in collaboration around uh, with ingredient manufacturers. So take the Netherlands, for instance. They have a very small land base, but a large amount of food processing. So what they're interested in is strategic partnerships with our ingredient manufacturers so they can import high quality Canadian ingredients for use in their food manufacturing uh, facilities and plants because they don't have access to uh, commodities and crops that they grow internally. And overall, if you look at Europe, they're, they're suffering quite a large protein deficit across human food consumption and animal feed. They import 27 million metric tons of protein on an annual basis. And if you look at the upheaval that's happening on a global scale, Russia's war in Ukraine, you know, some of the issues and challenges in China, uh, importing from, from Brazil, they're really looking to Canada as a strategic partner for protein. As the first Plant Forward conference, it sounds like it was a great success. And uh, lots of, I'm sure lots of contacts made. So where do, where do you go from here after you've concluded an event like this? We're really looking forward to um, our organization being recapitalized. We've got another five-year runway. So we'll be launching the next iteration of our program in uh, likely in early February. Um, and we're looking at collaborative innovation between our ingredient manufacturers here in the prairies and food companies on a global basis. So one piece will be collaboration on innovation projects. Um, the next piece, we'll, we'll think about, um, you know, uh, a follow-up to Plant Forward Conference, maybe uh, a second, either a year or 18 months out because the global uh, participants really want to come back and learn more and, and have better uh, conversations about integrating supply chains of, from ingredient manufacturers and food companies between here and, and European and Asian markets. I, I think it's extremely positive for, um, you know, not only the plant-based food and ingredient manufacturers, but really right down to, to the farm level. So, so many times I heard this past week that uh, companies either in the US or Europe or Asia are really looking to Canadian produced ingredients because of the sustainability, because of the farming practices that our producers use, because of the low carbon footprint agriculture. So I think our farmers should take, take away that um, there is recognition on a global scale that what they're doing at the primary production level is resonating with companies all over the world because it's low carbon footprint highly sustainable, highly sustainably produced commodities that lead to low carbon footprint ingredients and food products. Bill Grohl is the CEO of Protein Industries Canada. Here are some of the agriculture stories from the week of October 31st, 2022. Experts said that spiking wheat prices were the result of Russia's withdrawal from the UN-brokered Black Sea Grain Agreement. Wheat futures jumped close to 6% on news that Russia would reinstate a blockade preventing wheat shipments from leaving Ukraine ports. The grain agreement has allowed more than 9 million tons of grain and 397 ships to safely leave Ukrainian ports in spite of the ongoing war. Experts said it's too early to know whether the spike is a short-term reaction or the start of a longer, more sustained increase in wheat prices.
Alberta wheat and barley producers voted in favour of amalgamating their governing bodies. The Alberta Wheat Commission and Alberta Barley Commission each held plebiscites. Barley farmers voted 89% in support of joining together, while wheat farmers were 88% in favour of forming one organization. A total of 1,569 votes were cast over the month of October in both plebiscites, 606 from barley voters, 963 from wheat voters. Both plebiscites saw a 6.1% participation rate from eligible voters. Nutrient said it earned $1.6 billion in the third quarter of 2022, up 118% from the same three-month period in 2021. Nutrient said it earned $2.5 billion compared to $1.6 billion in the previous year's quarter. Nutrient's total sales for the three months ended September 30th at $8.2 billion, a year-over-year increase of 36% through potash sales volumes in North America. Nutrient's total sales for the three months ended September 30th were $8.2 billion, a year-over-year increase of 36%. EggTech Accelerator, founded by Cultivator, says its initial cohort has seen great success so far. The EggTech event has raised almost $22 million in private capital, generated almost $10 million in revenue, received $14 million in public funding, and created 32 new jobs and developed 34 patent applications. The purpose is to accelerate the growth of Canadian ag tech startups. The inaugural cohort consisted of 16 companies from across Canada and the UK. The second cohort of applications will open in November. The University of Saskatchewan will be offering a certificate in precision agriculture starting in the fall of 2023. Students will learn how to manage crops precisely to increase production and sustainability. This includes knowledge of satellite imagery, global positioning and information systems, big data yield mapping, management zones to understand what drives within field crop field variability from year to year. Students can earn the certificate concurrently with a degree program from the College of Agriculture. It is also available to USASC students studying computer science or engineering. Maple Leaf Foods is ramping up production of its new Bacon Center of Excellence in Winnipeg. First commercial production of bacon at the expansion got underway earlier this year. The company is increasing production to meet growing demand. A key food service partner that will benefit from the facility is A&W Canada. Maple Leaf Foods Chief Executive Officer Michael McCain said both are powerhouse Canadian companies that are leading the way in developing sustainable meats from humanely raised animals. And Montana's Barbecue and Bar has become a member of the Canadian Roundtable for Sustainable Beef. The restaurant announced it's sourcing at least 30% of its beef from farms and ranches certified to CRSB standards. Chair Ryan Breyerback said Montana recognizes how ranchers take care of the land, animals and communities. If you like what you've heard, you can rate and review wherever you get your podcast, And make sure to subscribe to AgriPod with Alice McFarlane for more weekly episodes. The AgriPod is produced by Colby Heiss with host and CJVR Agriculture Director Alice McFarlane and is a division of the Jim Pattison Broadcast Group. Available wherever you find your favorite podcast and at farmnewsnow.com.